Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with my fake black friend, white boy, Malcolm X. And before I do or say anything else, I just want to wish Betty White a happy 99th birthday. Yes, it, it actually is her birthday. Today is her birthday. We, we didn't actually miss it this time. We got it right on the, uh, right on the day. So happy birthday, Betty White. I hope you have a wonderful day with lots of cake and hang in there. We'd like to see you get to a hundred. But I hope everyone is having a good weekend so far. And for those of you who get to play hooky tomorrow, don't have to go to work because it's Martin Luther King Day. I hope you're enjoying your long holiday weekend. We are actually broadcasting with our brand new microphone which was kind of fun to put together, which I'll get to in a second, but it is up and running, and the microphone is, you know, I'm not a size queen, but it's about literally about twice the size of the old microphone, so hopefully it sounds twice as good, content notwithstanding. So we had some fun yesterday putting that together, and I my job was to, because I already had the microphone that came in, I think, on Tuesday, so I put it in a little shock thing, and my job was to kind of put it on the stand and get all that set up, and White Boy Malcolm X was playing with the rest of it, getting it hooked into whatever that, what is the red box thing again? The preamp. Okay, so the preamp, the microphone doesn't plug into the computer anymore, goes into a preamp, and then that goes into the computer. But he was dealing with all that, and so I'm hooking the microphone up, and everything's ready to go, and it just sounds like crap. We're testing and testing and testing, and it drives me nuts. It sounded horrible. And then White Boy Malcolm X is like, well, do you have it in right? I said, yes, of course I have it in right. You can hear me, right? And he's like, yes, because turn the microphone around. <laughs> and that's all I had to do. Was I, I put it on the wrong side. It's a uh, unidirectional, what have you, where I had the microphone in backwards, and that's why it was getting uh, crappy, crappy sound. But hopefully this sounds a lot better. And let's go ahead. I've got a lot of stories today. I'm hoping this is not an hour and a half podcast, but, well, I guess we'll find out after, after we're done. This, yes, White by Malcolm X, before you even say anything, gay at the front, and we actually have a smoking gun story in the back. We didn't have one on, on last Wednesday's show. And it's a Florida story. So those folks in Florida, they are back with a vengeance. And this is a Boston Herald story. And it is a follow-up story. And just to give you, a, I'll give you the headline first. Alex Morse did not violate UMass Amherst policies in conduct with students. Report. And you're like, well, Miller, who the hell is Alex Morse? Well, folks. You should listen to my podcast, but in case you haven't, I'll get you up to speed as quickly as I can. So Alex Morris is the mayor of a delightful little town in Western Massachusetts called Holyoke, and he is the mayor there, and Holyoke is between Northampton, which is kind of one of those edgy little progressive towns with the rainbow crosswalk, and it is uh, it sits, on the other side of that sits um, Amherst, which is where 
UMass Amherst is the bastion of, uh, of liberal education in Western Massachusetts is up there. So Holyoke sits between those two, and he is the mayor, and he is some dopey millennial, and he tried running against, oh, God, what was that guy's name? Richard Neal, I think is the representative's name, and he lost. He was trying to primary him out, playing woke out there in Western Massachusetts, and lost, but there was all this drama related to him and his little thing about you know texting and, and wanting to hang out with, and I'm assuming bed, college boys while he was working at the University of Massachusetts Amherst as an adjunct professor. So he got in some trouble, it became the scandal, and what we found out during our reporting was that the Democrat college kids out there were trying to set him up because they all wanted jobs with Representative Richard Neal's office. So they thought, well, let's just make this guy look to be like a little bit of a creeper because Alex is, I think, early 30s or something. And they wanted to make him look like a creeper, you know, hitting on, you know, whatever, 19, 20, 21-year-old college boys on Grinder. So anyway, it looks like he did not violate the UMass Amherst policies when he did that. And so let's dig in and find out a little bit more about that. Alex Morris, who again, folks, is the mayor of a delightful little town, Holyoke, Massachusetts, says he's exploring legal options after an independent investigation. UMass Amherst commissioned and released this week found the Holyoke mayor's social media overtures made students feel uncomfortable, but did not violate the school's sexual harassment or consensual relationship policies. Morse called the report an exoneration in a statement and said given its favorable conclusions and given the professional, political, and personal impact of this investigation, I am exploring legal options. That drama queen is not happy getting accused of doing all that stuff, and she's going to go get herself a lawyer. The 32-page report by Saul Ewing, Arnstein, and Lair, which swells to 123 pages with exhibits. And I can only imagine, white boy Malcolm X, what those exhibits are. Says Morris, a former adjunct instructor at UMass Amherst, communicated with students through social media and dating apps as far back as 2015, in messages that recipients interpreted as suggestive of his intent to pursue dating or sexual relationships with students. And folks, he was on Grindr. <laughs> just, let's just call a spade a spade. And I don't mean anything racist by that. I know some liberals can be like, oh my God, I can't believe he said the word spade. But he was not on a dating app. He was on Grindr. He was looking to grind with those kids. But the report says the pursuit did not violate the university's policy on consensual relationships, because Morris, now 31, did not have grading, supervisory, advisory, or employment responsibility for the students. Well, that's a good kick. White boy Malcolm X, I mean, if that's your thing, don't get me wrong. I always say, you never get a boy to do a man's job. And when I say boy, I mean like, you know, legal. I'm, you know, I'm not some high school teacher, don't get me wrong. You know, get some like 21 or 22 year old. He's like, nah, that's not my scene. But I guess if you're, you know, a college professor and you just want to get all that fresh meat, then, you know, hey, I guess it's a good deal out there. You're like, okay, as long as you don't grade them or you're not like a manager over them or anything like that, you can just go through campus, left, right, and center. Morris's action made a number of students uncomfortable, leading UMass Democrats to disinvite him from future events last summer in the letter that prompted the school's investigation. But the report states there is insufficient evidence that Morse unreasonably interfered with any student's academic performance or with the student's ability to participate in university programs or activities as is required by the university's sexual harassment policy. 
Moore says he hopes the report lays to rest the unnecessary and invasive intrusion into my personal life. I have never violated Title IX or any UMass employment policies, Moore said. Any other speculation, rumors, or innuendo characterizing my interactions with students is an extraneous distraction and outside of the scope of the investigation. The report also said Morris's pursuit of dating or sexual relationships with students may be inconsistent with the school's principles of employee conduct. And who believes that? UMass Amherst spokesman Ed, I'm going to butcher this name, Blagazuski said university issues are studying the report and will evaluate that issue. And speaking of which, White Boy Malcolm X, I forgot to print the article out, but there's a really interesting article about how if you deliberately mispronounce someone's name, that is considered violence. <laughs> I love how liberals like label everything they don't like violence. So I am not going to read any more of that, but Alex Morris, the mayor of that delightful little town, Holyoke, Massachusetts, is an alleged chicken hawk, but it's not wrong for him. <laughs> okay, Alex, you go get those boys. Have fun. This is a pink news story. And how's this for a headline? To the surprise of no one, study links toxic masculinity with supporting Donald Trump. And I guarantee you folks, they had that study written before any data had been collected. An entirely predictable study has found that Americans who support traditional stereotypes of toxic masculinity are more likely to back Donald Trump. A team from Penn State University found a correlation between belief in hegemonic masculinity the notion that men should be strong, tough, and dominant, and voting for Trump. And I don't know what the problem with that is, white boy Malcolm X. I literally just got done saying, you never get a boy to do a man's job. I mean, what is, what is a man? Strong, tough, and dominant. That's how they should be. I mean, as opposed to what, right, folks? Do you want some weak, pansy-ass pajama boy who lives in his mother's basement playing video games all day? So I don't know what's wrong with having a strong and tough man in front of you, not some little pajama boy. Good God. These people. They just want everyone to be like a little millennial dope kid. Of the 2007 participants the researchers recruited, those who held outdated ideals of manhood were more likely to vote for and have positive feelings for Trump. So those are outdated, white boy Malcolm X. You have to be a weak, pansy-ass pajama boy now. If not, you are just outdated and old, I guess, just like me. This held true even when they controlled for political party, gender, and how much the participants trusted the government. The pervasiveness of hegemonic masculinity exists because we do not always know that our attitudes and behaviors are contributing to it, said doctoral candidate Nathaniel Schirmerhorn, who no doubt is a pajama boy, who was involved in the study. The success of Donald Trump's 2016 campaign shows that even if we, as a society, have made progress in saying that discrimination and prejudice is undesirable, we have not, as a society, fully interrogated the systemic ways in which those prejudices are upheld. Clearly, though, they are being upheld by strong, tough, and dominant men. Professor Teresa Vessio added that while Trump's ideals of masculinity may resonate with voters, few are actually able to embody them. In contemporary America, idealized form of masculinity suggests that men should be high in power, status, and dominance, while being physically, mentally, and emotionally tough, she said. But this is an incredibly high standard that few can achieve or maintain. 
Therefore, this is an idea that many men strive to achieve, but few men actually exhibit. And because they are not done kicking men just yet, folks, how about these last two paragraphs? Meanwhile, a 2020 study by researchers at the University of Pittsburgh, which, folks, is the only place where there are actually black people in Black Lives Matter, and we documented that on this program, found that homophobic men who exhibit traits of toxic masculinity are more likely to be prone to violent bullying, sexual harassment, and mental illness. So-called macho men with aggressive and anti-LGBT plus attitudes are twice as likely to be at risk of depression or suicidal tendencies and up to five times more likely to engage in sexual harassment and online physical or verbal bullying, the study shows. There you go, folks. You toxically masculine men out there. Hang in there. I'm hoping this pajama boy phase goes away at some point. This is a New York Post story, and how's this for a headline? Racing pigeon that flew to Australia may be killed amid quarantine fears. A racing pigeon from Alabama. <laughs> My boy Malcolm X, they have racing pigeons. Did you know that? I had absolutely no idea you could race a pigeon. <laughs> I know they have show chickens. Yes, show chickens. I actually... I have a friend who has a friend. They're not my friend. They are an acquaintance of mine in, of course, South Carolina. And they have show chickens. And I'm like, what the hell is a show chicken? And I went over because we were all hanging out. And sure enough, they're like show chickens. They're like pretty chickens. <laughs> Apparently, they lay delicious eggs, these show chickens. But they're just kind of fancy chickens. They, and they have shows. You can take your chicken and show it, like a, I guess, like a, a dog contest, one of those little kennel things. They have um, show chicken contests or something. I don't know. I didn't ask. I was just, here are the show chickens. I'm like, okay, there they are. There they go. But anyway, we also have racing pigeons in addition to show chickens. A racing pigeon from Alabama survived an 8,000-mile odyssey to Australia, but authorities there plan to kill the bird because it's a quarantine risk. God. Damn bird's like, oh, land, thank God. And they're like, nope, the Aussies are going to get you. Folks, if you are in Australia, you need to get your rapey kangaroos in order before you kill this poor racing pigeon. <laughs> and if you don't know what a rapey kangaroo is, you don't want to know. Melbourne resident Kevin Seely Bird, and Seely Bird is hyphenated, and yes, a man who found a racing pigeon has the last name of Bird, said he discovered the exhausted bird in his backyard on December 26 after it had disappeared from a race in Oregon on October 29th, the Associated Press reported. That poor racing pigeon, white boy Malcolm X, was probably probably got blinded by all the smoke coming out of Portland. <laughs> and he just got lost and he just wound up in Australia. He said the Oklahoma-based American Racing Pigeon Union had confirmed that Joe, Joe the Racing Pigeon, was registered to an owner in Montgomery, Alabama. Jesus Christmas, this article is getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Racing Pigeons and a Racing Pigeon Union. And the pigeon is named Joe. Experts suspect the bold bird hitched a ride on a cargo ship across the Pacific, a feat that has attracted the attention of media as well as quarantine officials down under. They say if it is from America, then they're concerned about bird diseases, Seely Bird said, adding that officials called him Thursday about the bird, which has been named Joe after President-elect Joe Biden. <laughs> That's why it's called Joe. Good God. It's a senile bird. They wanted to know if I could help them out. I said, to be honest, I can't catch it. I can get within 500 millimeters or 20 inches of it, and then it moves. 
He said authorities were considering hiring a professional bird catcher to help capture the long-distance traveler. The country's agricultural department, which handles biosecurity, said the pigeon was not permitted to remain in Australia because it could compromise Australia's food security and our wild bird populations. It poses a direct biosecurity risk to Australian bird life and our poultry industry. Australian National Pigeon Association Secretary Brad Turner, (laughs) there's a nutty group down there as well, said there were legitimate fears that pigeons from the U.S. could carry diseases, and he agreed that Joe should be put to sleep. I tell you what, though, White Boy Malcolm X, they found that damn bird in... uh, in late December, it is now mid-January, and if they're going to act like a bunch of hysterical queens, they got to kill the damn bird because it's going to infect all their birds. They are sure taking their good old sweet time to get that done. <laughs> that bird, if it's got anything, is going to spread that thing around the continent before they can get their asses in gear to go out there and catch it. And here's a little bit more for you folks on... Wayward Pigeons, according to Pigeonpedia.com, and no, I have not been to that website, the greatest long-distance flight by a pigeon started at Arras, France, and ended in Saigon, Vietnam, back in 1931, a 24-day journey covering 7,200 miles. (laughs) There's a lot of creepy websites devoted to pigeons out there. Hmm, this is a Twitter story. (laughs) No... I am, well, I am on Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter, if you know what I mean. <laughs> this is from Breaking 911. How is this for a headline? Man was selling child porn on Twitter using coded language. A Burlington County, New Jersey man was charged Monday with allegedly distributing videos and images of child sexual abuse. Al Fahim Medina, 22, of Willingboro, New Jersey, is charged with one count of distribution of child pornography. He appeared in federal court and was released on $50,000 unsecured bond. According to documents filed in this case and statements made in court, in January 2020, an undercover law enforcement agent saw an individual advertising, in coded language, the sale of child pornography on Twitter. And I don't even want to know how you would code that kind of creepy language, but I guess you can. The Twitter profile directed interested parties to an encrypted social media messaging application. During multiple sessions in January and February 2020, the undercover agent communicated with the individual online, and the individual agreed to sell multiple links to cloud storage websites that contained videos of child sexual abuse to the undercover agent. After the undercover agent sent $20 to a PayPal account registered to Medina, the individual sent the links to the website that contained child sexual abuse. On June 12, 2020, so six months, six months after this guy sells child pornography to the FBI, the FBI is like, I guess we probably should go do something about this, you think? Law enforcement lawfully obtained multiple devices from Medina's residence that contained over 22,000 files of content constituting child sexual abuse including images of prepubescent children being sexually abused. Oh, God. Six months to get around to arresting that guy over that. Man, God. Can you imagine, though, I'm not even making a joke about this. Can you imagine being in the FBI and that is your job to catch these sick sick bastards? I mean, think about that, what you have to look at, who the, the people you have to deal with and, and the content that you have to look at to bust these folks. Ugh. And he's on Twitter. I mean, 
I bet you Twitter hasn't suspended him. And he probably has a, a blue check mark next to his name because that is what those creepy pajama boys at Twitter are all about. This is from Queerty. Oh, goodness. Why am I even dealing with this? I'm queer and proud. Star Trek star Mary Wiseman comes out. <laughs> Honey, you are late to the party. <laughs> Everyone else on that show has come out. Star Trek Discovery star Mary Wiseman. What do I say about Star Trek Discovery? It is the gayest show on television. Has come out as proud queer woman. Wiseman, who plays fan favorite Ensign Tilly on the series, made the admission in a new interview with StarTrek.com. In the conversation, writer Dawn Enos asked Wiseman about a Zoom interview in December, which was stymied by technical difficulties. At one point, Wiseman appeared to say, I'm not straight, just as the audio cut out. Ennis asked Wiseman 35 for clarification in the new interview, and Wiseman was ready to set the record straight, or not straight in her case. I did say this. It's not a big deal at all, Wiseman confirmed. I just didn't want to say I'm straight when I'm not. Before Noah Averick Katz, Wiseman's husband and co-star, I dated and loved people of all genders. And if you're like, well, Miller, all genders? There are only two. No, folks. There are, <laughs> there are seven genders. Get with the times. I never liked it when straight presenting... So she's married, and now she's a lesbian. Better husband's like, what the hell? I never liked it when straight presenting women dominated conversations about bisexuality. Pansexuality, when I was with women, and if you don't know what the difference between bisexuality and pansexuality is, folks, there is no difference. Pansexuality is just a snooty way of saying bisexuality. So I try not to do it now, but I also don't want it to feel like I'm hiding anything because I'm queer and proud. And I wonder, again, what her husband's thinking. And this is how gay... Gay this show is. that The gayest ship in Starfleet is Discovery. What else did I say? Oh, I said that all the straight people have to go hide in the cargo holds. All these queens running around. Star Trek Discovery has won wide praise for its inclusion of LGBTQ people on both sides of the camera. Co-creator Brian Fuller, actors Anthony Rapp. If you don't know who Anthony Rapp is, he's that queen that destroyed House of Cards. Wilson Cruz, Blue Del Barrio, and Ian Alexander all identify as queer. In addition, the show features the gay couple Hugh and Paul, played by Rap and Cruz, as well as their adoptive trans non-binary child Adira, played by Del Barrio, and Adira's trans non-binary former lover Gray, played by Alexander. <laughs> gay ship in Starfleet, folks. There you go. I'm a lesbian. I gotta get in on this action. This is from Oregon Live, and here is the headline. Portland, which I'm surprised I haven't burned that thing down fully yet, to lobby feds on reparations for black indigenous communities. White boy Malcolm X, because we had this story, folks, about Illinois looking to do reparations, and I was like, I didn't think that Illinois was a slave state, and, I, and it's not. Is, is Oregon a slave state? I didn't think so, but I guess they're... They're handing out money, too. The city of Portland plans to lobby the federal government this year to provide reparations for black and indigenous communities. And folks, that's capital B black, so they must be real black. Financial payments or other aid to the descendants of enslaved black Americans and Native Americans harmed by the U.S. government was the top racial justice measure listed in Portland's annual federal policy agenda, which the city council approved last week. The federal government has to be a partner in any type of reparations conversation, said Commissioner Joe Hardesty. <laughs> that chick is back at it again. If you folks don't know who Joanne Hardesty is, 
She's that dope that got in the argument with the Lyft driver. And, you know, she's also the one that doesn't like people calling 911. And what does she do? She called 911. (laughs) She's now, she needs to redeem her reputation. So she wants the federal government to hand out reparations to capital B black and indigenous communities. The agenda acts as a blueprint for the city's federal legislative priorities, which also include advocating for increased financial support for renters and businesses harmed by the coronavirus pandemic. And, well, (laughs) what about the businesses harmed by those damn rioters you won't put a stop to? And increased fuel efficiency standards to lower carbon emissions. Repaying descendants of black Americans whose labor and family members were stolen from them and indigenous people whose lands were seized and cultures disrupted was once unthinkable for the nation's white majority, but support for some form of federal reparations has grown steadily in Congress over the last three decades, and President-elect Joe Biden, creepy Uncle Joe, vowed to focus on systemic racial inequalities during his campaign. (laughs) Joanne, honey, if you're not, put the phone down, don't call 911. (laughs) And you folks in the, uh, the Portland City Council, I got a priority for you. How about one night, one stinking night where there are absolutely no riots in the city of Portland? Now that, that would be a great goal, but I guess that's not a priority for you folks. Oh man, Alex Morris has company, and this is from The Hill, and here's the headline. Lincoln Project co-founder acknowledges sending inappropriate sexual messages. (laughs) Another... Creepy, creepy queen. John Weaver, a co-founder of the anti-Trump Republican Political Action Committee, the Lincoln Project, said Friday, well, they did say that Lincoln was gay, so I guess that fits in for him, said Friday that he sent inappropriate sexually charged messages to multiple men and issued an apologies for his behavior. And folks, when it says multiple men, we're talking at least 30 men. And we're not just talking men, men, like a toxic masculinity man. We are talking... These are young men, and we're talking the ages of 19 years old to 28 years old. So this is another chicken hawk, just like Alex Morris, because this queen, this closet case queen, John Weaver, is 61 years old. And when they talk about inappropriate sexual charge messages, we are talking unsolicited penis pictures. So he's sending pictures of his 61-year-old penis to 19-year-old boys. (laughs) Oh my God, you sick puppy, you. To the men I made uncomfortable through my messages that I viewed as consensual mutual conversations at the time, I am truly sorry, Weaver said in a statement to Axios. They were inappropriate. You're damn straight they were. And it was because of my failings that this discomfort was brought on you. <laughs> Imagine opening up that grinder and there's that, there's his penis right there. <laughs> like, ah, good God. The truth is that I'm gay, Weaver added in his statement to the Alice. So white boy Malcolm X, this sick chicken hawk queen is a member of our tribe. <laughs> as if as if the tiger queen wasn't enough. As if Alex Morse, the chicken hawk, wasn't enough. We've got John Weaver as well. And that I have a wife and two kids who I love. Can you imagine being them today? My inability to reconcile these two truths has led to this agonizing place. The statement from Weaver, a longtime GOP operative, came after a number of allegations surfaced this week of men accusing the strategists of sending inappropriate messages. Multiple men claimed that he had sent them sexually suggestive messages unsolicited, with the messages occasionally including offers of employment or political gain, Axios reported. 
man. You know, these folks at the Lincoln Project, I mean, you want to talk about, how do I put this, insufferable douchebag elitists is the best I can come up with uh, in a pinch. I mean, they are smug, sanctimonious, pompous. I don't know, every other word you can throw in there that kind of goes along with them. They're just a bunch of douchebags and apparently frauds as well because, you know, they're sitting there, and wait, they Donald Trump, he's so horrible. He's this, he's that, blah, blah, blah. And you got this pervert, 61 years old, sending teenage boys his penis. Okay. You folks have fun at the Lincoln Project. Bunch of creepers. This is a Daily Wire story. And I think they're just, it's, they're trolling us at CNN, I think, white boy Malcolm X. Now is this for a headline. CNN anchor, everyone who voted for Trump sided with the Klan, Nazis, rioters. Hmm. CNN. I tell you what, they, what they got over there? They got uh, Dopey Don Lemon, who this article's about. They got Fredo Kumo. They got uh, George Costanza, whatever the hell his name is, that guy. He looks just like George Costanza. They got Jakey Boy Tapper and Miss um, Cooper. They got uh, Miss Anderson Cooper. A bunch of hysterical drama queens over there, and they are... I don't know if they're doing this just to, just to troll us, but knowing them, they're probably half serious about it. CNN anchor Don Lemon made sweeping allegations that Americans who voted for President Donald Trump stood with the Klan and Nazis on Wednesday. The CNN host made the remarks during an exchange with fellow network anchor Fredo Kumo. Kumo asked Lemon to respond to assertions that people who voted for Trump should not be lumped together with rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol last week, many of whom are being hunted by federal authorities for a wide range of criminal charges. Now what you hear is, well, you can't say that everyone who voted for Trump is like the people who went to the Capitol. Response, Kumo asked. If you are on that side, and this is from uh, Don Lemon. If you are on that side, you need to think about the side you are on. I am never on the side of the Klan. Principled people, conservative or liberal, never on the Klan side. Principled people, conservative or liberal, never on the Nazi side, Lemon responded. Lumping together over 74 million Americans who voted to re-elect the president with white supremacists and Nazis. And this drama queen continues. Principled people, conservative or liberal, never on the side that treats their fellow Americans as less than, that says that your fellow Americans should not exist, that says your fellow Americans should be in a concentration camp or sides with slavery or sides with any sort of bigotry lemon added. Drama queen. I don't know. Who, White boy Malcolm X, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if anyone on the conservative side is saying people should not just like wholeheartedly not exist or throw them in a concentration camp or enslave. <laughs> you go, Don. You go. I tell you what, though. I, I, you look at, uh, I actually pulled the numbers for this article. So 19% of black men and 5% of black women voted for Trump. 36% of Latino men and 30% of Latino women voted for Trump. And if you are a prissy white liberal, those are the Latinx. And 38% of all other minority groups voted for Trump. And I'm assuming, I'm assuming in Don's world, these are what you would call self-loathing. Whatever. And that is reason 5,627 white CNN is still... As unwatchable as it is. This is from NOLA.com. So we are going to Louisiana for this story. How's this headline? 
woman accused of fatally choking fiancé ahead of deadly hit-and-run trial. A New Orleans woman was held under $150,000 bond Wednesday on a charge of murdering her fiancé with her bare hands. Holy crap, white boy Malcolm X. That chick killed him with her bare hands. Man, while awaiting trial for allegedly killing a bicyclist in a hit-and-run wreck. Laura Collins, 33. So she is a, a dopey millennial. She is, I tell you what, she's one industrious dopey millennial. She's killing a couple people down there. Told investigators she strangled her fiancé in their St. Claude neighborhood home while defending herself from his attack early Tuesday, police wrote in criminal district court records. But detectives booked Collins with second-degree murder, saying the evidence didn't support her account. Collins' attorney, Stavros Pangalopoulos, would not comment. I think that was me being violent with mispronouncing his name. Sorry there, Stavros. The dead man's name has not been released. Police say Collins knocked on her neighbor's door in the 3100 block of North Claiborne Avenue on Tuesday at about 1 a.m. And what do I always tell you people? No good comes from being out after midnight to say she needed them to call 911. She told the neighbors that she and her fiancé had been drinking alcohol when he became belligerent and tried to kill her so she put him in a chokehold, police wrote in court records. The neighbors told police they recalled Collins at one point had to go back to her house to ensure she did not have to choke the fiancé out again. God. So, in summary, real quick, before we proceed, Laura Collins, boyfriend, drinking, fight. She chokes him out, goes to the neighbor's house, just, can you guys call 911? And they're like, uh, okay, sure, yeah, whatever, we'll call 911 for you. And she's like, I'll be right back. i got to just make sure I don't have to choke him out again. <laughs> she goes back to the house. First responders found the fiancé in a bedroom with blood on his face and a bruise on the back of his head. They pronounced him dead at the scene. Police say Collins told officers that she'd choked out her fiancé because he had attacked her. Officers found her home was in disarray, with pet food sprawled about the floor, a two-legged phone stand broken, a severely damaged cell phone on a bed, and small amounts of blood in two rooms. They said Collins had minor, unspecified injuries. Nonetheless, police said the neighbors, whose home shares a wall with Collins, did not hear anyone grow belligerent next door before Collins came over. They said they only heard loud banging. Police added that Collins' injuries were not consistent with the possibility she could have lost her life, and they wrote in court records that Collins has a history of domestic violence incidents where she was arrested as the aggressor. (laughs) Man, white boy Malcolm X, this chick... She beats up the men all the time. You know what? And we wonder why we want strong, dominant men. (laughs) Because she probably dates these stupid, dopey pajama boys, and she's just like popping them all the time. (laughs) You're going to mouth off to me? I'm going to beat your ass. They did not detail her criminal history. Boo. And records of it were not available Wednesday. (laughs) Tuesday marked the second time of the year that police accused Collins of killing a man. So she beats him on a consistent basis. And she's now off two of them. On January 9th of last year, she was driving her car near the intersection of Canal and North Rendon Streets in Mid-City when she rear-ended a bicyclist, Lloyd Smith, 58, police said. Tossed from his bike, Smith died at the scene. Collins allegedly fled but was later booked with manslaughter, hit-and-run driving, and obstruction of justice. So what is the lesson in this story, folks? Do not mess with a New Orleans woman. Jeez. Some of mistress. Man, you got to get your folks under control down there. 
This is a Daily Wire story. How's this headline? California school tells third graders to rank themselves according to power and privilege. And this is the second story. We had a story, I don't know, a month or so ago? Some other school was pulling these shenanigans. <laughs> Not surprised it's in California. I forgot where the other one was, but let's find out what's going on there. At an elementary school in Cupertino, California, a teacher of third graders instructed them to deconstruct their racial and sexual identities, then created rankings based on their power and privilege. The project was met with backlash from parents. The majority in California, hmm, that sounds odd. The majority of families at the school are Asian American, which answers everything. You do not screw with a tiger mom. And the parent who led the protest against the intersectionality curriculum was Asian American. The group of families confronted the principal, which ultimately caused the school to suspend the program, as Christopher Rufo reported. One parent told Rufo, we were shocked. They were basically teaching racism to my eight-year-old. Oh, I'm surprised they started that late. Another stated, we think some of our school board members are critical race theory activists and they must go. In California, folks, damn. While teaching a math lesson to students, so folks, this is in math class. This is not even in social justice 101. This is in math. And I think when I was eight years old, I was learning my, I think my multiplication tables right around there, but I was not having to list out my power and privilege. But in California, in the 21st century, if you're in a math class, that's what you're going to do. The third grade teacher told them to create an identity map. The map was intended to delineate their race, class, gender, religion, family structure, among other features. Rufo wrote, The teacher explained that the students live in a dominant culture of white, middle-class, cisgendered, educated, able-bodied Christian English speakers who, according to the lesson, (laughs) created and maintained this culture in order to hold power and stay in power. Man, the teacher used a book titled This Book is Anti-Racist to impart these lessons to the students. Those with privilege have power over others, it states. Folks, and you thought Latinx was bad, folks, which most normal people would spell F-O-L-K-S. Liberal, prissy white people spell it F-O-L-X, who do not benefit from their social identities, who are in this subordinate culture, have little to no privilege and power. One passage stated a white cisgendered man who is able-bodied, heterosexual, considered handsome, and speaks English, has more privilege than a black transgender woman. Hmm. The students were asked to select their various identities so they could see where they ranked on a power and privilege hierarchy. They were additionally asked to write brief essays about what aspects of their identity groups gave them power and privilege. The teacher provided the third graders with an example paragraph that referenced non-binary sexuality and transgenderism, Rufo notes. And white boy Malcolm X, you know, I actually am considering apologizing to Anderson Cooper, to Miss Cooper, because we had an article about Miss Cooper's coming out, and she came out late in life, but she said in the article that she knew, he knew, I don't know what his pronouns are, Miss Cooper knew that he was gay at like six or seven, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about, because the last thing I'm doing is looking at little boys and little girls when I was a little boy, and going, wow, I... I, I kind of like the boys more than the girls. But, you know, I'm thinking, okay, 11? You were 11, right, White by Michael Max? Yeah, I was like 11 or, or 12 when I started figuring that out. But he said 6 or 7, and I might have to apologize because I guess in California, they are um, they're forcing kids out there to identify their sexual orientation at 8. 
So I guess they do think about those things kind of young out in California. I don't know where Anderson grew up, but probably like they're in New York. So I'm sure maybe maybe they do know it that uh, six or seven, if they're gay or straight or, or bi, whatever. You know, they got uh, seven sexual orientations, so who knows? Okay, there you go. So in California, folks, the Tiger Moms are the only ones with a pair, and they're going to straighten those folks out. Uh-oh, white boy Malcolm X. This is a page six article, folks. That is the New York Post gossip page. How's this headline? Army Hammer's ex, Courtney Vukovic, he wanted to barbecue and eat me. Man. What? Well, yes. The only reason... I normally don't read these sorts of articles, folks. I don't read page six a lot. But I got wind of this and I thought, well, find out what's going on. Because we like to joke about Army Hammer. Because Army Hammer played gay for pay with... Timothy Chalamet in uh, Call Me By Your Name. And apparently they're doing a sequel to that, but uh, I wanted to hear what how Timothy Chalamet sounded in the new microphone. That's the only reason I printed this article, White Boy Malcolm X, I admit it. Let's find out what kind of creeper Army Hammer is. Army Hammer's latest ex-gal pal says their romance was like dating a wannabe Hannibal Lecter as the Hollywood star's idea of pillow talk was fantasizing about which of her body parts he'd like to roast and devour. He said to me he wants to break my rib and barbecue and eat it, app founder Courtney Vukovic exclusively told Page Six. F that was weird, but you never think about it again, she said, of overlooking the odd behavior at the time. He says, I want to take a bite out of you. If I had a little cut on my hand, he'd like suck it or lick it. That's about as weird as we got. The claims by Vukovic, known for creating the on-demand glam app Flash, which I've never heard of, comes days after Hammer became the center of a viral cannibal fury when direct messages he allegedly sent describing rape fantasies and cannibalism went viral. Army. Jesus Christmas. <laughs> what the hell? I can understand getting your freak on, but man, that is getting it on times 10. In one, shared by anonymous Instagram account House of Effie, Hammer allegedly asked a partner if he could cut off one of your toes and keep it with me in my pocket, so I always had a piece of you in my possession. In another, he allegedly described himself as 100% a cannibal. While Vukovic, who dated Hammer from June to August, couldn't confirm whether those specific screenshots were legitimate, she said they were no surprise. He likes the idea of skin in his teeth, she claims. Vukovic, who spoke following a divorce filing by Hammer's estranged wife, Elizabeth Chambers, God, can you imagine being her, tells Page Six that her relationship with the Call Me By Your Name actor was not only weird and gross, but also emotionally abusive. So not only does he want to nibble on her, he wants to gaslight her, apparently. He enters your life in such a big way. He's such a captivating person. He has such a presence, and he's aware of that, and he uses it in such a way that most women would think, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. But especially young women, that's kind of the scary part, how good he is at active manipulation and making you feel like he's never felt this way about anyone, Vukovic 30 told us. With the Rebecca actors over... I Actually, I saw that movie. I saw that movie last weekend. It was kind of meh. He was not gay for paying that. He was playing a straight guy. He did not eat her but, or nibble on her that I saw, but uh, it was an okay movie. Anyway. With the Rebecca actor's overpowering presence, charm, and charisma, Vukovic found herself submitting to Hammer physically and emotionally, only to realize she was being manipulated and gaslit. 
He quickly grooms you in the relationship, she explained. He kind of captivates you, and while being charming, he's grooming you for these things that are darker and heavier and consuming. When I say consuming, I mean mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, just everything. I'm not reading any more of this. I mean, folks, this goes on. Man, there's a couple pages of this. Well, I guess, white boy Malcolm X, I guess that is what they mean by white privilege. I guess he's doing that. Army, settle down out there. Settle down. This is a follow-up story, and we had a story last last Wednesday about the golfer Justin Thomas. And Justin is out there on the golf course. It's just him and his his little putting thing there, <laughs> the golf club. I don't play golf. I don't know whatever the hell it's called. And a golf ball. And it's just the three of them, right? And two of them are inanimate objects, and it's him. And he takes the club, and he hits the ball, and the ball misses, and he just mutters the word faggot. And everyone got butthurt about it. And I'm like, I don't give a crap, whatever. You want to call a golf ball or a golf club a faggot? Call yourself a faggot. I don't really care. But everyone's upset about it. But apparently, it's going to cost him some money. Justin Thomas loses Ralph Lauren sponsorship after using anti-gay slur. So Ralph Lauren just tossed his ass aside. Justin Thomas has lost a sponsorship with Ralph Lauren. And it is Ralph Lauren, folks. It is not Ralph Lauren. So just stop mispronouncing that poor man's name. Ralph Lauren. And if you don't believe me, call the Ralph Lauren store and see how they answer the phone. If they answer the phone, the Ralph Lauren store, then you can email me, miller at millerfrostonline.com, and you can tell me I'm a schmuck. I don't care. Anyway, let's pick that back up. Justin Thomas has lost a sponsorship with Ralph Lauren after getting caught using an anti-gay slur during the PGA Tours Tournament of Champions in Kapalua, Hawaii last weekend. Sports broadcasters caught the moment the 27-year-old said faggot to himself after missing a putt in the third round during the tournament on January 9th. Thomas apologized the same day, saying his foul language was no excuse. He was saying crap like, that's not who I am and I'm really sorry and I will... Whatever, blah, 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 blah. All that crap that their, uh, their media handlers tell him to say. Ralph Lauren on Friday said it was disheartened by Thomas's language and was cutting ties with the PGA golfer. We are disheartened by Thomas's recent language, which is entirely inconsistent with our values, the fashion company said in a statement. As we make the decision, our hope is that Mr. Thomas does the hard and necessary work in order to partner with us again, truly examining this incident, learning, growing, and ultimately using this platform to promote inclusion, the company continued. So Justin, you want your gig with Ralph Lauren back, what you need to do is find a couple of uh, militant gay activists and just go grovel for a little bit, and they will uh, do the cross and all that on your forehead, and you'll be good to go. But, you know, white boy Malcolm X, I still don't know who the faggot was. <laughs> Who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. He's talking to the golf ball. He could be talking, you know what? Theoretically, he could also be talking about the golf hole. <laughs> Something out there was a faggot, according to Justin, and I will probably never know what that was. This is a Red State article. And here's more white supremacy for you folks. God. And you know, folks, I could probably wind up doing, I don't know, at least an hour's worth of, if all I want to do is print out white supremacy stories, I could probably do at least an hour and probably easily an hour and a half of just white supremacy story after story after story. So here's another one for you. I'm only going to give you two this podcast. ACLU attorney nails the white supremacy of cisgendered sports says an infant sex is not easily identifiable. Chase Strangio has a lot to say on anti-transgender sports. 
On Thursday, the ACLU staff attorney fingered the foundational force driving some to contend women are athletically inferior and that sex is static and twofold. And we know that sex is definitely not static because we know there are seven genders out there. So definitely not twofold, but they are seven. And if you are one of them, you can just swap it up at any time you want. So the, the antithesis of being static. Per Strangio, the whole thing comes down to a derelict duo of sinister scourges. A few notes on women and girls who are in trans sports, the tweet thread begins. It's simple. There is a relentless effort to situate trans people as a threat to cis people in sport and elsewhere. There simply is no threat. Chase has broken down the delusion. The foundation of these arguments is based on two dangerous and faulty premises. Here they are. First, that men and boys are always better, stronger, faster, and more skilled than women and girls. And I actually, white boy Malcolm X, I cannot disagree with that because we just had a story in New Orleans where we had that woman beating up men left and right. So she is definitely, she is definitely stronger and faster than the men, at least down in New Orleans. A bunch of pansy men down there getting their asses kicked by, by those women in New Orleans. And here's a second that sex categories are binary, fixed, and easily identifiable at birth. And like I just said earlier, I can't disagree with that either because we do have seven genders now. What lies beneath the myth that an infant sex is obvious or a guy is stronger than a girl? This, and this is what he said. Both of these premises are rooted in misogyny and white supremacy. (laughs) It has nothing to do with feminism. The interest behind these narratives is not in protecting women, but rather protecting the power of the state to control people's bodies and constrain people's identities. And I don't think if that's the goal, they are failing miserably because Jesus Christmas, how do we go from two genders to seven? It like, like that, I mean, like overnight. So misogyny and white supremacy, white boy Malcolm X, is at the heart of an infant sex. <laughs> Can you imagine? being the doctor and be like, oh, guess what, folks? You got a little boy. And um, I don't know if the woman would do it or her pajama boy husband. Can you see some liberal guy? Well, doctor, um, we have decided that um, that, that, that penis means nothing and that we're not going to uh, impose our orthodoxy on this child and we're going to allow it to pick its own gender when it's, when it's of age. And if you think, folks, that, that I'm making that up as a joke, we did have a story where there was a dopey chick who's like, I'm not picking my child's gender. And so they were just like, everything was in neutrals. And the kid was just, she she wanted the kid to like at 18 come to her and say, Mom, I've decided I'm a girl. Or, Mom, I decided I'm a boy. You know, (laughs) I don't know how white supremacy got in there, but um, misogynistic to uh, assume that if you're that newborn that gets pushed out with a penis as a boy, that is misogynistic. This is a Breitbart story. And I guess we were in, folks, we were in Denmark last last Wednesday on our podcast because we had a story about child brides from, like, the Middle East or what have you. So they, they brought these folks in, and there was this minister a couple of years ago when they brought all these people in. You had these, like, 20 or 30-something-year-old guys. They had little children, girls, and they were the wives. And the minister was like, yeah, we don't do that here, no. And so she was separating, I think, 20-something families you know, quote unquote families where, you know, the guy was an adult and, and I don't even know if the girls were post pubescent, <laughs> but she separated them and now she's in trouble. They're going to like put her on trial for 
violating their their human rights or what have you. But we're going from uh, from Denmark now to Sweden. And how's this for a headline? Afghan migrants accused of filming child sex abuse for blackmail. So all those Nordic countries up there letting these people in and they are causing nothing but trouble. Afghan migrants in their 20s have been accused of filming sex acts with minor girls in Sweden and using the videos to blackmail their victims. The first migrant arrested in September for child rape offenses after police received... Well, folks, it is only child rape in Sweden, but that is a value judgment there. So obviously there are some cultures where a 20-something-year-old banging a 12-year-old is not child rape. (laughs) I don't know what kind of sick society that is, but, you know, we're not supposed to judge that, are we? We're not supposed to say that's wrong, are we, in the the 21st century. So I guess in Sweden, they're going to probably get themselves in trouble for calling this child rape when it's just man-child love, (laughs) whatever they call it. So let's pick that back up again. The first migrant was arrested in September for child rape offenses after police received tips that pictures and images of underage girls were being circulated on social media, and probably Twitter. An investigation revealed that the crime started in August 2019. The Afghan, who has prior convictions, is believed to have committed at least three counts of raping a minor and sexual assault against a minor, Nider Idag reports. Prosecutor Andreas Lennertson has stated that the crimes went on over a long period and took place in both school and home environments. A second Afghan migrant was arrested in December on suspicion of child rape that is believed to have taken place in April. According to the prosecutor, the Afghans victimized girls as young as 13 and took photographs and videos of the sex act. Lennertson added that there were other suspects in the case, but did not go into details of any ongoing investigations. The case comes less than a year after another Afghan migrant was prosecuted for raping a 15-year-old girl while he was staying as a guest of the child's family. The 20-year-old claimed in May that he did not rape her, but rather rejected her sexual advances and that she reported him to the police as an act of revenge. And this, folks, is, is what you get when you allow to immigrate into your country people with wildly different cultural beliefs and you know in afghanistan i mean you think they do this just to the girls they do it to the boys too it's called um hold on i wrote this down bachabazi and it's basically where a man takes like a a prepubescent boy as his lover for a little while and it's kind of it's creepy and it's gross but that's what they do there and everyone does it and it's just one of those things where it's just socially acceptable and now they bring them into sweden and they bring them into denmark and they're still raping little girls and raping little boys. And that's just their culture. And, and uh, they're apparently, you know, getting getting in trouble in Denmark for trying to stop it. And I can only imagine what's going to happen to um, to the prosecutor, Andreas Leonardson, when they charge her with some sort of hate crime, when the uh, Afghans start complaining about being persecuted for their uh, their cultural beliefs. We are almost done, White Boy Malcolm X. We have two stories. This one is from LGBTQ Nation. I don't know why I saved this to the last. But here we go. Lesbian teen who got kicked out of family turned them in as possible MAGA rioters. An 18-year-old lesbian who says she had been kicked out of her home outed her Trump-loving family members who participated in a violent altercation in D.C. on the eve of the MAGA riots at the Capitol last week after she saw pictures of them being shared on social media and people were trying to identify them. 
Hi, this is the liberal lesbian of the family who has been kicked out multiple times for her views and for going to BLM protests to care what happens to me, wrote Helena Duke in a tweet, who then proceeded to give her family members' names in response to photos of the protest. Helena said her mother, Therese Duke, turned off a location tracking app they shared last week and told her daughter that she was accompanying a family member to a medical appointment. But on Thursday morning, the day after the riots that left five people dead at the Capitol in an attempt to overturn the 2020 election results, install Donald Trump as president for at least four more years, and execute Mike Pence. God, they were going to do that, white boy Malcolm X? Helena's cousin sent her a video of a violent encounter in D.C. on Tuesday evening, the day before the riots. In the clip, a group of white people in the streets were harassing a black woman, and it's capital B black, so you know she was black. Helena saw her mother and her aunt and uncle, Annie and Richard Lorenz, and she saw that her mother had tried to grab the black woman. My initial reaction was more like, oh my gosh, I was right. I was actually right about them being there, Helena told BuzzFeed News. It was very surreal because it was an insane video, first of all, and then it was the revelation that, oh, that's my mother, that's her. The lesbian teen participated in Black Lives Matter protest earlier this year, When her mother found out, she kicked the teen out and told her that she believes that Black Lives Matter is a violent organization and they would be inciting violence. And that they did. Hi, Mom. Remember the time you told me I shouldn't go to BLM protests because they could get violent? This you, Helena wrote in a later tweet. Mom got busted. I always felt almost heartbroken over how they viewed the world and how skewed it was and how they wouldn't allow me to express my views but showing that they can act in such a horrible way is just really appalling to me, she said. I am honestly very disappointed to have to be part of this family. That is just so not very welcoming or supportive. I don't feel safe being a part of this family. (laughs) Drama's all about you, honey. They threw you out and you don't feel safe. Well, you should just go away then. Um, God, can you imagine having that around? Tattletale lesbian. Tattling on her mama and her cousins and her aunts and uncles, whatever. This is our final story. Yes, it is a smoking gun story. They're back. And yes, it is based in in Florida. How's this for a headline? Mad woman in mask meltdown at bagel shop. This chick is not happy, apparently. A Florida woman who decided to make an anti-masker stand at an Einstein Brothers bagel shop in Boca Raton was arrested yesterday for trespassing following a recorded confrontation with police that could serve as a Karen masterclass. When Cindy Falco de Corrado, a 61-year-old resident of nearby Boynton Beach, refused to wear a mask upon entering Einstein Brothers around 11 a.m., a store manager called cops. <laughs> store manager was like, I ain't dealing with this chick. I'm just going to go right to calling the cops. While waiting for Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office deputies to arrive, de Corrado declared, I'm an American and I'm allowed to breathe, and it's against my religion. <laughs> And it's against the amendment. As she referenced purported legal citations proving that it was illegal to require masks inside a private business, an onlooker asked her, shouldn't you be storming the Capitol? (laughs) Oh, man, that was a feisty party. As seen in videos, a deputy calmly tried to convince DiCarado to leave the shop, but she told him, you need to read the Constitution and get your hands off of me. She also claimed that the cop was kidnapping her when he grasped her wrist. When a second patrolman arrived at Einstein Brothers, the cops lifted DeCarado from a table and escorted her from the shop. Upon reaching a police cruiser, the deputy sought to handcuff DeCarado, who then began struggling with the cops as she let out a series of screams. 
I am not under arrest. Leave me alone, DiCarado yelled. She then twice screamed, I can't breathe. Her face was uncovered, and she was not being choked with her hands cuffed. So they finally got this psycho chick cuffed. DiCarado leaned over the car's hood and chanted, In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I come against these principalities and powers, this abuse, this abuse. I'd like to know what drug she's on. When DiCarado demanded to know why she was arrested, a cop replied that she had been trespassing. You can't trespass in a public business. They rent the property, she said. Charged with trespassing and resisting arrest without violence, DiCarado was booked into the Palm Beach County Jail, from which she was released this afternoon after posting $2,000 bond. DiCarado, who has pleaded not guilty to, guess what folks, the misdemeanor counts because everything in Florida is a misdemeanor, has been ordered by the judge to stay away from Einstein Brothers and have no contact with the eatery's manager. DiCarado, who is a registered Republican, was arrested last May for trespassing and resisting at a West Palm Beach restaurant where two of her friends had been arrested a day earlier, apparently as part of a mask protest. DiCarado told cops she was on the property because her friends wanted to hold signs to the public. When a deputy took hold of DiCarado's wrist, she began to pull away and immediately ran east into oncoming traffic. <laughs> According to an arrest affidavit, she was subsequently directed to the ground by an officer and handcuffed. Man. And here is one last paragraph about this hot mess. DiCarado, once wearing a Trump Girl t-shirt, has twice testified against mask mandates at public hearings held by Palm Beach's Board of County Commissioners. DiCarado, who was identified as Cindy Garcia at one meeting, so she is racially appropriating white boy Malcolm X. She's going from, I'm assuming DiCarado is Italian, but now she's, she's another fake Latinx chick at one meeting, referred to the COVID-19 crisis as a pandemic and claimed that the public officials were trying to scare certain masses and ethnicities like our Latinos and our darker shades of brown skin. <laughs> oh my God. DiCarado described herself as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Sister, Sister DiCarado, you hot mess, you. You, typical Floridian. Anyway, folks, that is going to do it. I can't top that. I can't top uh, praising Jesus Christ, getting arrested for violating mask mandates. So we are going to go ahead and, and plug poll, and we are going to be back here Wednesday. I'm assuming we'll be back here on Wednesday to continue on the adventures of this, uh, this lovely podcast. Again, I am Miller Frost. This is the Miller Frost Show. Here, as always, with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Remember, you can reach me at my email, miller at millerfrostonline.com. Parlor is still down, but I am on Gab, which I haven't, I don't think I've tweeted or whatever they call it in Gab. I've gabbed anything over there, but it's at Miller Frost. Again, happy birthday, Betty White. And you folks have a great rest of your weekend, however long that lasts. Have a great start to your week, and we'll see you back here in a couple days. Take care. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. 
If he's got Geico, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. Geico will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. Geico. Great service, without all the drama. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.